0: person of interest podcast episode number 14 12
1: angry finches you are being watched an artificial intelligence a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins is spying on you every hour of every day we designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team.
0: Welcome back to the uh, person of interest podcast, or if this is your first time, welcome to the person of interest podcast i am daryl and i am most likely the fungus of this podcast no no <laughs>
1: well it can't be you there that only leaves me <laughs> <laughs> well i'm i'm doug just in case you're wondering and i in case this is your first time and i have been avoiding mayonnaise since as far back as i can remember thank you uh-huh. where's your thanks own, for where's your rim shot Oh, no, that's just, that's, that's just fact. It's just the facts, man. Oh, Oh, there's no, we're glad to have you here, folks. Wow. We got a chat room full of people and we have you listening to us. Thanks for showing up as we cover the person of interest season four episode 14 episode, Mm -hmm. I guess, which originally aired on February 10th, 2015, entitled Guilty. Yeah. I, although I, I kind of like 12
0: angry Finches that we, that we titled our episode. (laughs) I'll have to admit when I was watching it, I mean, right out of the gate, as soon as they get, um, into the deliberation room, it made me want to go and watch 12 angry men. But during the scene, I'm I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. Uh, maybe a lot ahead, but during the scene (laughs) when they were like coaching Finch on what to do, Mm -hmm. I mean, I was like. They're going to ask for the Code Red, aren't they? They're going to try to get the Code Red. So it made me want to go
1: watch uh, uh, A Few Good Men. So lots of good, I think, wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. What does Mountain Dew have to do with this? (laughs) Uh, I see what you're doing. I I am an expert on Mountain Dew, and I didn't, didn't see any Code Red in this show. I see.
0: Well... That's because I didn't ask for the Code Red. Yes.
1: Well, um, all right. Let's
0: bring it back. I'm sorry. I got us way ahead there.
1: Uh, before you can't we... handle the Code Red. I know. <laughs>
0: Hopefully they can handle the fact that this is a listener-supported podcast. We love and appreciate uh, your support, uh, whether that is just listening to us or whether that is in some other way. Um, if you want to be a part of what we're doing on Patreon, we invite you to do that. Patreon is a way where you can financially support what we do here at Golden Spiral Media. Get some cool stuff in return, like some exclusive podcasts. There's a chance to join us for this episode or this podcast, rather, or any of the other podcasts that we do. There's some t-shirts and mugs and all kinds of other stuff that that are available to you. Uh, so thank you to all of those who are uh, Patreon supporters. We got Peter who joined us on Patreon just today, in fact. So don't know if he listens to this podcast or not, but if you do, Peter, thank you. What we want to do, though, is uh, play a little clip from one of our other Patreon supporters. And this is Jeff Gentry. You guys may know him. He's uh, He calls in a lot to Stuff I Learned Yesterday and uh, Arrow Squad and a few other things. So here's Jeff. So for the month of February, we're taking a look at some one-on-one conversations we recently had with some of our Patreon supporters and trying to get to know them a little bit better and what they like about Golden Spiral Media. So here's a bit of a conversation that Brian recently had with Jeff Gentry,
1: X-Force 11. All right. So so what's your favorite GSM podcast.
2: Well, see, that's a hard <laughs> thing because that's like asking because it's about the
0: people. So that's, yeah, good point. that's the hard part. Although I will say it's Aero Squad because the community <laughs> around Aero Squad is really great. But the, you know, the cool thing is I just uh, started listening to stuff I learned yesterday. Awesome. Uh, just started getting in touch with those people and that group. And that's been a fun thing to add because it's just totally different from a genre TV podcast. So it's been a lot
2: of fun.
3: Nice. But besides uh, Aero Squad and Stuff I Learned Yesterday, what other other favorites do you have on GSM?
1: I mean, Aero Squad, Central City Underground, Stuff I Learned Yesterday,
0: and Triple Cast. I'll listen to all of those. I try to get to um, Gotham un- Undercover, and I try to get to uh, The Devil You Know, too. You know, he named off a lot of podcasts in there. This podcast was not one of them, and yet we played his promo anyway because that's how much we appreciate our Patreon supporters, and that's how much we like Jeff.
1: That's how we roll.
0: That's right. All right. Well, thank you again, Jeff. If you want to find out more information about how you can support us on Patreon, just go to dot com slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You're
1: going to hit us with some news this week, Douglas. All righty. Well, the writer for this episode, Guilty, was David Slack, and I love his, I mentioned it before, I love his Twitter handle, Slack to the Future. Yeah, that's great. And he's some very interesting tweets a little, we'll mention a little later on. And the director was Kate Woods. Okay, some news. I got more than just uh, ratings here. Oh, good. First of all, we had a bit of news about a former, unfortunately, former uh, actress who played Detective Jocelyn Carter. Taraji P. Henson wins the NAACP Entertainer of the Year Award. Yeah, that's cool. So that was really cool. I, I, and, and the reason, the place I found it was kind of odd. She is apparently a Washington Redskins football fan. And so it was on the Redskins.com blog. And, you know, the Washington Redskins, they're the team that's named after a potato. Um, so anyway, she got this wonderful, um, <laughs> hang in there. She got this wonderful, uh, award, entertainer of the year, the NAACP, uh, 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 uh awards thing. And, uh, it was interesting. They mentioned that she's on the new, Fox uh, series called Empire. Mm-hmm. She was in uh, what did it say? I'm looking through here for you know, um, no good deed. She was in the movie. Mm-hmm. They didn't mention person of interest for crying out loud, but that's okay. We 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 can go with that anyway. It was great to have uh, Taraji P Henson win something like that. Some you know some real uh, recognition there.
0: Well, we still love her, even though she is no longer a part of person of interest. I would say not only us, but the person of interest fandom as a whole, still has uh, a soft spot in their heart for not only Jocelyn Carter, but Trajee. And so it's good to see her being recognized for the great work that, she's, that she does.
1: And Empire may be hanging around for a little while. It notes mm-hmm. in the uh, in the blog post that Empire broke a ratings record that stood for more than 23 years. It's the only primetime scripted series to grow in total viewers over each of its first five episodes. Wow. Since at least 1991. So yeah, you know how you get this big jump at the beginning and it just says... Crashes right after that. Yeah. That just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So I didn't
0: know that. That's really an accomplishment.
1: It is. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, Second piece of news is from TV by the numbers, place that we usually get our uh, ratings from. They also have a person who writes as the cancellation bear. Mm -hmm. And it had some, the, the bear had some predictions about CBS. Is the bear overlooking person of interest as a possible cancellation? So uh, the uh, article says the cancellation bear hasn't written anything about person of interest all season, figuring it was safe from him and safe is boring. But plenty keep asking the bear about the show, particularly after a few recent week outings. And we did have some 1.4s recently and then 1.3 a little while back. Even with its recent ratings performance, it's still the second highest rated 10 p.m. show on CBS. So this is not talking Tuesdays. It's talk everything on CBS at 10 p.m. during the week. It's the second highest one there and we'll see how it you know fares this week with the the ratings uh just p- compared to Tuesday but with the mentalist now gone and stalker certain to follow it's also the last wb drama on cbs and the saving of the mentalist last season last season showed how tenacious wb can be with their veteran shows so the cancellation bear says it's not getting canceled so we'll be back next year absolutely
0: yeah, i think so too i don't i don't see any reason to be fearful it, it, you know we, we talk about it every week we wish the ratings were higher but i don't think we're in cancellation range at this point
1: yeah and on um, tuesday nights we are ruling the roost as well pretty well uh again this week cbs person of interest got a 1.5 up from the rather weak one point four, and so that was fifth for the night in terms of the uh, the rating for adults eighteen forty nine. We had nine point four one million viewers, which was third for the night, and again third behind the two lead-ins, NCIS and NCIS New Orleans. So, um, <laughs> but every you know, so everything else uh, was was behind us mm. and them,
0: so, and they won their time slot both in rating
1: and in viewers. So, yes, uh, yes, and with viewers pretty handily. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Yeah, so. Good stuff for for sure. I mean, not as high as it has been in the past, but again, good stuff still. Good to have. All right. Well, what do you say we move into our
1: ratings for this week? Speaking uh, of ratings. Yeah. What did you give it? I gave it seven votes of not guilty. It's not guilty, but it wasn't, you know, it was, it was okay. I was mentioning in uh, the Facebook group, uh, some people were you know, discussing it there. We have a special um, thread for people who want to talk about the episode. It's spoiler-ish. So, mm-hmm. if you know, haven't seen it yet. Don't go there, but it seemed to me what, uh, I seemed to me kind of tropal There were a lot of, uh, legal jury, you know, whole bit, uh, uh tropes in this one. And, I was thinking of that Doc H mentioned last week how many tropes there were about small town and this and he, he ticked off about six or eight of those. Um, I thought this week was was kind of that way too. It was a good it was a a good episode for Person of Interest, but I think it was more a good first season episode than it was a fourth season one. So that's why I gave it a seven.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned that there was something about this episode that I liked, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, and, and I gave it an eight. And then after I gave it an eight, I'm like, hmm, you gave it a seven point five last week. Did you really like this episode better than last week? And I, I thought, Yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, it was kinda weird. It had no shaw again, which that wasn't surprising. It had no, no root, root, you know, which yeah. is normally not a good thing for me, but I understand where she's at right now and I I kinda was glad that she wasn't in this episode. It gave more it's it more legit that she wasn't. I mean, after the way she left last week, I didn't I didn't want her to be in this episode in a way, so but, but but then we started getting feedback in, and we'll hear it in a little bit, and almost everyone mentioned that this felt like a season one, and people either loved it or hated it because of that. You just mentioned it. I think that's kind of why I liked it. It reminded me of of some of the first things I loved about Person of Interest. Not that I want to see that every week, but I did not I did certainly enjoy it. I liked some of the dialogue. We'll talk about that. So I gave it eight Morse code messages.
1: All righty and uh andrew b gave it eight passports we'll uh, be reading his um his feedback a little later but in that he says eight passports Mm -hmm.
0: and then over on our facebook group we had some contributions vivek or vivek how would you pronounce that vivek i think vivek it is seven crazy confessions to get out of jury duty
1: (laughs) and there are plenty of those yeah uh, Zachary gave it 10 laser flashes of Morse code. Now, this is interesting. When I saw that in in the Facebook group, I was thinking, now, we gave, if then else, I believe, or I think it was that one or the one yeah. after it. Yeah. We gave it 10, nines and tens and seven. He was giving it like a, you know, six or whatnot. Worst episode we're giving seven. Yeah. yeah. We're giving six, seven, and eight. He's giving it 10. We clearly have different, uh, standards here.
0: Well, just the different things we look for in the episode, what what we find yeah, to be a, yeah. p- appealing. And I, I love it. I love when there's always a, a, a dissension. Is that the right word? Someone who <laughs> doesn't agree with the rest. So anyway, thank you for that, Zachary. Andrew J. gave it nine failed attempts of Finch trying to get out of jury duty.
1: Oh, that's a nine, and that's not bad too. You know, way yeah. up there. So we have so we have people from all over the uh, spectrum, and from the chat room. Not thirty seconds ago, well, a minute ago, maybe. Yogabon gave it seven balconies to jump from. Very nice. N- no thanks. Yeah, no, yeah. jumping from that.
0: All right. Well, let's get into our discussion on this week's episode.
1: Before, before the episode started, uh, somebody tweeted, and I, was, I keep watching the, uh, there's a hashtag person of interest, uh-huh. and I keep a little, uh, I've got uh, a little thing that can show me just that search term, and somebody tweeted, I hope this episode is a little more lighthearted after the sho- soul-crushing past few weeks. <laughs> and it was, kind of. It was a little less, you know, intense. It and uh, David Slack, who was the writer of uh, you know, Slack to the future, he said the, this episode, he he wrote this, he said this episode was also a fun return to my law and order roots, but of course, with a person of interest
0: twist. Mm-hmm. Well, it was great to see. We didn't have Root, as we mentioned, and we didn't have Shaw. And so they did a great job of still f- filling in those, not those roles, but but the, the space that was made available in the episode for other characters with another strong female character that we all love. And, and that is the Zoe character. And even though I knew she was going to be in the episode when she made her appearance, it was, it was because I mean, she just kind of popped in. I was like, yes, there she is. All right. <laughs> and I think maybe that's another reason why, why I, I liked it because it's, I missed her. I didn't know. I didn't realize how much I missed her until you see her interacting on screen with these guys, and it's like, yeah, they've they've got a good vibe. There's good chemistry between all those characters.
1: I I thought it rather ominous in the beginning, where Finch and Reese are talking, and they're they you know again this is this brings in the whole feel of the first season where they mention it specifically. You know, it's just you and I again, kind of uh, situation there, and, and yeah. they they don't want to bring uh, anybody else in because of the. The, uh, the danger there mm-hmm. is to it. But they mention the backlog of numbers mm-hmm. and people who are either dead now or perpetrators who are arrested for killing them. You know, so, th- you know, this gives you a... I, I-, I-, I liked that particular aspect of it because it shows you that there are consequences for ignoring whatever the reason me is, whether it's good or not, ignoring the machine's... Uh, uh, you know uh, uh, predictions here mm-hmm. it's going to happen, and we've got to do something about it, and so we have a sense of urgency now. We can't just say, "Look, we really have to deal with this whole Samaritan emerging threat, well, but you've got people dying, you know, and you know who they are, you know, or you know that they're going to do it wow that's that's a moral uh, uh conundrum I would not want to be in
0: yeah, and we talked at the end of our discussion last week about the words that Fusco said about you know the the cost of being a hero or the burden of being a hero, whatever his, his verbiage there was, and there was m- deep meaning to that. I mean, I, like I said the last week, that's the, the burden that our, our band of heroes feels all the time. No one even knows when they pass them on the sh- on the street to thank them for the work that they do, and here we have, at the beginning of this episode, a little glimpse as to what happens when our boys can't do their job and it was uh it was it was nice. I mean, in in that sense. I mean, not nice that these people died or or, you know, evil took place, but you know what I mean?
1: Yep. I do. We're with you. Good. <laughs> I thought it was great with um at the very beginning with Finch trying to get out of jury duty and all the different ways he tried to do it. Mhm. And uh one of them is trying to hack the computer and change him to, you know, you know, dismissed or something like that and mm-hmm. You can see. Wait a minute, that didn't work. Machines, you know, back there trying to. Nope, 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 nope. And then the bailiff comes in and says, "So and so and so, Finch, your numbers come up." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's not the words you want to hear when you're on Team Machine.
0: No, and you know, in the writers' room, they they were just waiting to to put that line in there.
1: I, I laughed out loud when they when they said, "Finch, your numbers up,"
0: because obviously, as fans of the show, we we. I appreciate that, that particular line. Were you, were you, did you pick up on the fact that he tried to switch his, you know, he tried to hack in and change his status and it wouldn't let him? Or did you think, oh, he just got in a hurry and fumbled it up? What was your thought when that happened? No,
1: I I figured it was the, uh, I figured it was the machine.
0: Yeah, I did. I did too. I I just, uh, and then, you know, the the song, you can't touch this when the ringtone, that's not my ringtone. You know, it, it (laughs) could have been worse, my friend.
1: that freaked me out. That that no that was a good one. I wasn't like, what? But I didn't realize, "Oh, oh, oh, the machine." Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. It could have been like some spice girls or Brittany. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Some, uh, some it, it could have been worse than you can't touch yeah. this. That guy got off lucky, that's what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> the machine, if nothing has some, you know, has some it's not it's not cruel. It's not cruel. So yeah, all that happens, and then we have yeah. So he goes off, and then we finally get Finch in there, right next to, as it turns out, Nina Sharp, uh, Emma Blake. Oh, wrong show! <laughs> Rats, don't I'm- have the. I don't have the Fringe theme song here. Dun, dun, Although dun. I will say that was the one of the best themes I, I've heard in a long time. The Fringe theme song, I love it. JJ wrote that. Oh, did he? Yeah. Himself? I, 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 that was, this. it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I lo- I loved that theme. Yep. And I like, I like the theme of person, it's not a, uh, uh, you know, hum, hum you ditty as you go along there, uh, of person of interest, but it's a great intro to the show. But, uh, but the, the, the fringe, anyway, go ahead. Um, <laughs> so yes, we have our person of interest. Now I was, I was surprised that, well, first of all, you got a guy in the corner talking to himself. You mm-hmm. gotta wonder, number one, Is he nuts? Right. Or number two, is he talking to somebody? And number three, if he's talking to somebody, how should we, you know, make this kind of a, you know, we should, wouldn't this set off some sort of detectors or something as he's coming in? Or mm-hmm. I don't know. But, you know, if no cell phones, then no earwigs either.
0: Right. Yeah. And that happens a lot where our guys are talking to nothing. And you. there are times where it's like someone needs to look at them like they might be a little bit crazy. Maybe maybe this happens all the time in New York because there's so many people, there's bound to people, be people that that do talk to themselves for for no apparent reason. You know, the higher the population, the more odds there are of that. But still, like when Finch is on the jury, you're right. And he's talking to himself. I'm like, can nobody else hear this? Shouldn't someone be looking at him going Shh or something?
1: Oh well. Mr. Reese, Mr. Reese, what's he talking about over there? I don't know, something about Reese's cups or something. Yeah. 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 Uh yeah, at least and we get you know kind of right into this with um Emma uh you know g- gets she has a second cell phone. This is before I get yeah, there was mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember the yeah, before you know b- being able to get kicked off for doing something like that. But she's you know texting somebody that I don't want to do this and what and I can't go through with it. And then somebody else gets taken off the jury because they eat something with with eggs in it with the mayonnaise and they're you know, anaphylactic shock and all that stuff. So you know this is somebody else You know, if if I didn't know better, I would have said Samaritan was doing this um uh, hmm. well i I didn't know better i was I wasn't sure if this was a one machine or the other you know doing that maybe maybe our machine was trying to get this person off, and that was the the ultimate bad guy or who knows but um, I wasn't sure that that was an actual person i mean so th- that's, that's a tribute to the characters, the way they've written, they've drawn up the characters of uh, Samaritan and the Machine, is that when you've got something like that happening, is that, okay, it could be a person making sure that this happens, or it could be the machine, like, you know, said, sent, uh, uh, some guys, set his ringtone to something else and said it to go off. He could have very well, the machine could very well have, uh, messed up with the order and said, you know, crossed off the no and there you go. So, mm. This 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 uh, these plots can keep you guessing for a good long time.
0: Yeah, for a little while. We'll we'll, we'll get into some other things here in a minute that, that I thought were a little bit predictable. But at this point, you're right. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, what what the motivation for trying to rig the jury was, and if it was if one of the machines, if either of the machines was really at play here, other than getting Finch on the jury, was it just to make him to put him in a position to, to run a number or to save a number like it turned out to be, or if there was something else at play. So at this point in the episode, I agree it was, it was definitely hard to figure out what was going on. This is about the time when Zoe showed up and she starts pointing out some of the behavior, some of the tells, if you will, and helping them read the jury, which is going to send them very well equipped in the very opposite direction that they need to go on. But it was great to see Great to see Zoe. And it would make sense that she would be at the courthouse. She's a cleaner. She's going to be cleaning up for people who uh, are largely involved with politics that mm-hmm. need have gotten themselves into messes as will play out at the end of the episode with what she says. And in this case, not a politician, but a high ranking uh, CEO. So it, w- it was very, very believable that Zoe would just kind of run into our boys at the courthouse.
1: Yeah, you got to make it believable. And that's the kind of the thing she'd be involved in anyway. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I liked your line to, um, to Finch, who's trying to, you know, who thinks he can read the jury, read people, but he's, he's too analytical. She says, this isn't science. It's a law. Rational thought doesn't apply, <laughs> which is not a nice, uh, uh, you know, description of, uh, of our system of justice, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's based on people yeah. and convincing people. And in fact, uh, the bear uh, Twitter account tweeted at that point, be speckled man is charged with one of the greatest challenges in life changing the minds of New Yorkers. So there you are. That can be, that can be rough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and Zoe, like we we said, she reads people really well. Now Reese has had an encounter already by this time we're getting into the episode with the shrink and mm-hmm. it's their last meeting and, and you kind of feel like there's more there. There's, there's a little bit of interest, I think from both parties and Zoe picks up on that, and I thought this was a really good uh, on on her part. I don't know how she picked up on it—just intuition, or, or you know, clearly she's
1: skilled at what she does. But she, she, she carries she carries something around that lets her know what's going on. It's called a plot device. <laughs> now that could be it. Um, <laughs> but she
0: says that, that these types of things can't last for people like us, and, and of course we knew that that was a, a statement that was going to be foreshadowing into. A decision that Reese was going to have to make, either in this episode or, or you know, down the road very quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, is he going to? Is this because we left the uh, the bee story here with the uh, with the shrink? It still is possible. It's still something that's that's being explored. So I'd, I, I, it, it sounded like he may have heard her advice, but he didn't take it. I think maybe he's trying to show that it uh, that it it, it can happen, right? And maybe that'll be an education for Zoe later on. Who knows?
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll find out. What do you think? What do you you think that anything will turn about with um, Reese and the shrink, or do you think it's just wishful thinking?
1: I tell you what, I would like. I would like to see him actually get get a you know connection with uh, with a person. I think, except that, I would I would like to see that in the last season, whatever the last season is, and I don't think this is it. Uh, I don't think that, I think that would make him more vulnerable. You know, when you, when you have relationships like that and connections, as we've seen with, you know, what's happened to Shaw, that it, 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 you start to lose your focus. You focus solely on that, that one person and that, uh, the issues going on there and you miss the bigger picture. I think it's, you know, depending on the relationship, I think it's a, uh, a, a rational thing, a good thing. To focus on a person and their their uh their welfare and that sort of thing, but it doesn't for for this kind of team where they live eat and breathe you know the machine and the numbers and all that it can you know have a problem, and so i i don 't know how they would really nicely make this uh make create that relationship and not have it affect the rest of the um uh, the rest of the team the rest of the uh, the, the, the the plots the you know the each uh, saving the person of the week it would be it would be a little tougher to have to deal with each week
0: yeah yeah you know the the concern i would have is that you know um what's Carrie preston's character's name
1: uh yeah mm-hmm. yeah um
0: she, you know she hasn't we haven't seen her this season The last time we saw her she was being taken overseas for protection but that's that's the thing right because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she was in such danger so if if Reese were to get a love interest then you would think that that would immediately put her in some sort of danger he needs to be mindful of that and is, is 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 he being incredibly irresponsible if he does pursue something and i would say yes so i think that's something he he needs to be cognizant of but i do like what you said at the end of the series remember at the beginning of the series he had lost his love, and there was there was a, there was a story there, and and that tied in with everything. So it would be kind of a nice bookend to his character. But for right now, I'm hoping nothing comes of this, and I certainly hope that she's not a plant by Samaritan. But I think no, that's a let's possibility. See that,
1: and I, I was thinking of that too, and I was yeah. like, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no <laughs> please. Well,
0: I think that's a possibility. I think I think anything's a possibility. Anytime someone comes in to our team,
1: you have to be suspicious of that. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, that's true. Yeah.
0: Okay. Sorry, be, that that was be, kind of the B story. I kind of.
1: No, that's good. That's good because it really does. It, it, it relates back to because Zoe wasn't really part of the B story, but she refers to it. So right, right, right. It's, right. it's something that that is going on in the background from uh, with with all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. With Emma being the the chair of the uh, jury, there <laughs> that was a the little uh, the voting thing was really nice. You know, they they practiced, and this is one little twist here. They were pushing and pushing, and thinking that the that Emma was going to try to get uh, the fellow off, Chad off, from killing his um, from the uh, uh, the acute accusation of killing his wife. But uh-huh. uh, as it turns out, she started, Oh yeah, sure, guilty. Um, when when <laughs> when Harold uh, suggests that, I was like, huh? You know, and a, a nice little twist, a nice little twist. Like I said, up until up until this point, and, and even a little bit after it was kind of a standard for me at least a kind of a standard jury you know jury tv show jury episode all yeah. the, the the tropes that that in, involves this was a nice little twist but i it wasn't enough really to 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 save it for me here did you, i mean was it something that you anticipated I, I certainly didn't
0: i did not anticipate the complete reversal and I, I i don't know why maybe i should have but i i was going for it too that that uh Emma was was going to be trying to get him off. They had trained, uh, trained, uh, um, prepared Finch to to turn the tables to make him look guilty. So I was surprised when she went the same way, and I, it was wonderful because now Finch is scrambling, going, <laughs> "Oh crap! I just laid out a compelling case to do the opposite of what I should have done." Now he's all the, all the prep work that Zoe and Reese had done with him is out the door and he's on his own, which we've seen. He's got some pretty good wits. He, he can uh, think on his feet. You know, we, we, I think back to earlier this season when they're met on the uh, street corner by the arms dealer and he thought on his feet and came up with, uh, played, played the part really well. So we've yes, seen him yes. do some things in, in the past before where he's got to think on his feet and he did it. He did a great job. Uh, so. It was, but I I thought it made the episode more enjoyable that that all their prep work was for not,
1: and and it was uh, again another one of the tropes was the fact that you've got this evil corporation that's mm-hmm. uh, creating something that's going to kill people for miles. Um, these five k cell towers that could microwave them where they stand, and people are getting sick at the company because of not because of the person who's pushing them, but because of the actual stuff that they've installed to try it out. And so yeah. Um, it just seemed a little prepackaged, and maybe it needed to be that I wasn't sure. But but like I said it, it seemed kind of a, kind of a standard. Uh, this is you know it's it's a big corporation, therefore it must be bad.
0: Yeah, and I get a little tired of that trope as well. Just I don't think it it really is representative of of business as a whole for sure. And I don't even think it's representative of of large companies as a whole. If it is, it's it's a very one dimensional view of of large companies. Um Not to say that all our large companies are are wholesome and pure in their in their mm-hmm. motives or actions, but um at this point though, when it does twist like that and you realize that that she is trying to push for him to be guilty, then the question immediately comes to mind, okay, well, clearly this guy did not do it, he's being framed, he's being set up. who did do it, and you know that's what I like about these who done it style shows is you start thinking who who could it be and in in my mind, there were only uh, two possible options here. The employee who took the stand was my number one candidate, and number two was the new CEO. The reason I wasn't sure about him was that he came in after the murder took place, so maybe he was involved, maybe he wasn't. But to me, that seemed to be the only two choices, and, and that's exactly where it led. So I was a little disappointed that it was pretty clear at this point. Which, you know, I felt like it had to be one or the other. It turned out to be both, so there you have
1: mm-hmm. it. I, I liked, bef- before that, I liked the, when they sequestered the jury, I liked how they had, uh well, first of all, I felt like the fact that Finch is trying to tap into the internet via the thermostat. thermostat. <laughs> is that possible in a hotel? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's connected to, you know, that that uh, the central location reprograms or finds out what the, you know, what the temperatures are and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. And then I didn't, I, I didn't see the dot originally, but. Him diving to the floor as I, like, what? That, 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 that shocked me a little bit. I said, like, what, what's going on? What's going on? Then he, you know, he comes up and he sees it blinking, realizing it's Morse code. And, um, David Salak again says, even with only a laser beam and a light to communicate, Reese and Finch still find a way to give each other a hard time. <laughs> you know, so they're yeah. kind of, you know, going, going back and forth with that. And, you know, pl- you know please not, you know, <laughs> it's not loaded. I don't think, you know, stuff right. like that. So yeah. yeah the-
0: they're pretty fast with their uh, Morse code skills, though, which was just fine. If you're really gonna, you know, tap it out, I don't. That's gonna that's gonna take the whole show to tap out everything they indeed, were talking indeed. about. So that's fine. Uh, Emma can't handle the truth of what's going on. She can't it's handle the Emma. truth.
1: <laughs> She's going out so, to the balcony
0: yeah. to jump off. Sorry, I had to.
1: I couldn't. I couldn't resist. No, no, no. That's that's ab it's perfect. It okay. was perfect. All right. Yeah, and then so, you know, Finch lays his cards on the table. I was wondering if she was going to think the guy's nuts now, you know? Mm-hmm. He's been talking to himself all this time. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's talking about how he knows what's going on with me, and this machine is telling him all about what's going on, and he's going to help me. Well, I don't know. I've got, um, I got a lot of, pay. she's got a lot that's on her plate as far as things that are unknown, and now this guy's trying to, you know, make nice with her. Maybe uh, a little, be a little uh, skeptical about what's going on here. But yeah, he uh, he does manage to um, get her in his confidence, and then of course we trick the fixture to go up after uh, after Finch and uh, Reese managed to get across the street pretty darn quickly. To yeah, the because he was up
0: on an, I don't know what floor he was on, so he had to go down unless he did like the Batman cape thing, jump off the balcony. <laughs> You know, throw down the smoke screen. I don't know. But he did. He got across there into that and into the room. I don't know how he got into the room because the door was locked, wasn't it? Uh, But, I mean, hotels room by nature lock automatically behind you. the door's
1: closed, it's locked, yeah.
0: So, I don't know. Again, a little bit of a TV trope. But now, were you surprised that there was a plant on the jury keeping an eye on Emma to make sure that she did what she was supposed to do?
1: Yeah, I I was surprised, although I will have to say, I'm easily surprised. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm
0: easily surprised or not. I'll let you be the judge of that. But I was surprised. I didn't see that at coming. I thought that his behavior was a little bit odd, but I just thought he was the grumpy guy on the jury. I just took it at face value. <laughs>
1: Make him grumpy, you know. The the, yeah. the the bad guy has got to be grumpy.
0: Well, and I didn't blame him for being grumpy because Finch totally did a one eighty on him, and it's like I'd be grumpy too. <laughs> Come we, on, what are you we doing? Had this,
1: we had this in the bag. It's in the bag. Come I'm on, go home. Sports Center is on. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and and Finch, to, I'm sorry, Reese. After uh, you know saving the guy off the balcony, I, I I liked his line. I wanted to see you stand trial. Um, so the, I mean. We have a, we still have a, a, a moral code with, the uh, with Finch and Reese and the Team Machine in general. Mm-hmm. And that was good to keep that, keep that in line. It really did make sense. Uh, you know, not, it was, it was not so much, or not just for the line about seeing him stand trial, haha, cause we're doing a trial now, but, you know, because indeed he doesn't want him to, you know, he can save him, so he will. So that's a, that was a good thing, I think.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah. And I, I'll say too that I liked just the way they kind of circled everything back around here. The, the, the plot elements that they gave us made sense. They weren't just put in there for no reason, like the employees being sick. It was, you know, it was a bit of testimony that could have just been used how the prosecution wanted to use it. But instead, the writers gave us more value out of that than, than what we thought we were going to get when it turns out that that's why the employees were getting sick. And there was an, there was an additional layer of, of a clue there to us as the, as the viewer as to what might be the true motivation as to what's going on here. Again, it points back to evil big business, but, but besides that, it was, uh, it was a piece of dialogue that, that wasn't just wasted. It wasn't just a, a one use piece of dialogue. And there was a few things like that here, uh, that gave us pieces of, of clues, even when the guy was angry, you know, hey, you know, it wasn't just because Finch turned 180, it was because he was involved. And so I, I like it when there's things you can look back on at the end of the episode and go, ah, oh, that was a clue, wasn't it? So, I, you know, probably another reason why I gave it a higher score.
1: There's, uh, the, the, the writer, the TV writer, J. Michael Straczynski, I think I've said this before, or did I say it on, uh, Under the Dome? I can't remember. But he had a, a saying. He did, he did a, uh, he used to do some writing for Murder She Wrote, which, you know, Angela Lansbury, Cabot Cove, and there was a murder and trying to figure out who did it, and there's all, all kinds of, you know, clues going on and some red herrings and whatnot. His, uh, I don't know if it was his, uh, rule or a rule that he picked up from somebody else, but the idea is that when you get to the end, you should have about half the people have seen it coming. Half the people are surprised. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think they they. But you and you need to be. Honest about that. You need to drop the clues. You know, you can't just poof out of the way. Oh, but you were over in actually in uh, in, on the third floor. Nobody ever said that during the whole uh, episode. So, you know, drop the clues. Drop the red herrings too. But you you do have to drop the clues. And uh, and they did that. They were very honest about that. Did a good job with that. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. For sure. Well, we got some uh, nice conversations in this episode. Uh we we talked a little bit about Reese and Finch at the beginning of the episode. We'll talk about their their conversation at the end. But there was also a conversation between Fusco and Reese that kind of took place near the beginning and then circled back around to toward the end. Uh that that directly ties in to the Finch and Reese conversation where Finch is trying to protect everybody There's a lot at stake here. Let's not bring anybody else into this, specifically Fusco. Let's not, you know, because you and I have been talking for a long time. When is Fusco going to, when is the box around Fusco going to change colors? When is he (laughs) going to find out about the machine? And Reese kind of said, well, maybe this is the time to do that. uh, Finch said no. And so Reese was going to refuse to allow Fusco to get involved with these cases for that reason. And Fusco comes back to Reese at the end of the episode after he had done some research on these guys. They tie back into Elias and Dominic, which I'm hoping is a, it means that we're going to get some of that action next week. And Fusco says, look, I'm a cop for crying out loud. I understand mm-hmm. the danger and the risk, and you don't get to choose when I die or, or get to take a bullet or not. And just another one of those, you know, pump your fist and, and cheer on Fusco moments for me. I, I just like the guy.
1: You know, and it's where he's kind of breaking out of his uh, mold, the, the prototype comedic uh, you know per yeah, a character you know he he 's got the funny nicknames he gives people he 's got some really good funny lines, but mm-hmm. you, there's still a guy behind there we 've seen a lot of that uh you know he really hasn't been it isn't like these these lines about you know these these serious lines are coming out of left field out of nowhere we don't we don't see them very often we do and uh so I liked yeah you know, we've we've put Fusco. Uh, it made him a real guy. Now, what I was thinking when he said that, or, or when actually, when Finch and Reese were talking about going it alone and not involving Fusco, if you think about it, Fusco has been involved from the beginning. Now, it was, uh, he, he wasn't doing it willingly. You know, they kind of had something over him and they, uh, they used that to get him to do what they needed to. Hey, can you look this up? Can you check these plays? Can you do it? So he, when, you, when it comes right down to it, it was never just Finch and Reese. It was Finch Reese and Fusco and often Joss Carter too so the the mythical two you know two guys hasn't really been really ha, we really have not just had those two guys in the past so I thought that was interesting and so yes it was good for Fusco to say look I get to choose who I take a bullet for you know that sort of thing <laughs> so and and he did like I said he did that in the uh, in the first now like I said unwillingly but you know so he so again not not the lone gunman they uh, they've they've been uh, they've been helped all along by yeah. a lot of good people
0: mhm that's right yeah
1: and of course that's also the same scene where we get the great
0: line that uh, fusco is like a fungus
1: i liked it <laughs> you just can't get him off can't
0: get rid of him you got to call in a special group of people to get rid of him <laughs> <laughs> and you may have to close off shop you know totally quarantine the area for a while to do it <laughs>
1: And actually, you know, um, you know, I was saying about it was never really the, just those two solely. Uh-huh. One of the things, and I forget which of the two characters said Reese or Finch, but uh they said they can't bring anyone in, but they can't do it alone. I think Reese said that. You know, it's it's you've got a, a balancing act now. You know, right. uh, it's too dangerous to bring someone in, but we have to bring someone in. You know, what do you do? So then you get people like Shaw, you get people like Root that can handle. Uh, the situation, handle the danger, handle the issues, and you know the things that come up. Fusco has proven that while he may not be the most physically fit of them all, he can still carry his own weight, as you might say. So he's done a uh, he's done a really great job, and I think he is as much an asset to the team as a special operations Shaw is.
0: I did think it was a little bit weird, though, when uh, Reese said that you know we can't do it alone. And Finch replied, well, that's what I brought you in for. And it, to me, it was almost like he was saying, yeah, exactly. I've got you. That's all we need. And I don't, I don't think that's the case. And I don't think that that's what he meant, but I'm not sure why he said that. I mean, maybe that's why he brought him in initially, but I don't think that Finch is trying to say that that's all they still need, like they don't need anybody else. Did you think the line was odd or was it just me?
1: Well, I liked the idea that, yeah, I, I couldn't do it alone, so I brought you in. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, and you know, and 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 we have talked about this in the past about how uh some of the th- one of the themes of the show is the fact of needing other people, you know, uh, trusting them, being in uh well, what's the word? You, you you need to make sure you can trust what they are going to do. They have a job to do in this particular operation. They are going to do it. And you and so you need them in that situation because you cannot do it just by yourself, and so we've had a little bit of that with Shaw, a little bit of that with with Root. Actually, It took a little time for that to happen, but I think that theme is w- was kind of uh, brought out in that line. But yeah, like you said, there's it's not just the two, you know it it's it's never really been that.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right.
1: Well, what did you think about the B story? Well, we talked talked a little bit about it already. We had the shrink, and mm-hmm. it seemed like right at the beginning there was they were trying to show, and I thought this was a little forced they were trying to show that maybe there was a little feeling, mutual feeling between these two awkward, you know, is it a hug? or are going shake hands. You know, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, funny uh, patient though. detachment issues here, you know?
0: Yeah. Even though the, he he's not her patient anymore, it still seems a little bit like a line. She's, she shouldn't cross except that I think she also looks at it as, as he's there under false pretenses. And that explains some of his behavior. She knows he's not a cop. And because she knows he's not a cop, the things that she's supposed to be investigating him for are not legitimate claims. And therefore he's almost like a not legitimate client or, or, or uh, not clients, not the right word patient. And therefore there's a, there's a line that she can cross that maybe she wouldn't normally be able to cross. I don't know. Just, it still seemed a little bit weird, but like I said earlier, I I think that he's going to be a little bit out of line. If he pursues a relationship with her because of the danger that he would be putting her in, and I think that would go against his character. So I I'll be interested to see how this progresses at this point.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, is this really somebody he needs to open up to, or is he is mm-hmm. he got an, an ulterior motive? I don't know. Yeah, maybe he
0: maybe she is a plant by the Samaritan, and he's he's suspicious of that. So he's playing it cool, and
1: I don't know. I don't know. Not I'll enough. Uh, not enough. development in this episode to really get a good read on what's happening here,
0: right? And then the other part, like we said, with those three files, I love that they turned or tied back into the Elias and Dominic storyline. I Again, I haven't looked ahead. I didn't watch the previews for next week, but I'm hoping that this means that we're going to get some uh, action on that front. Because it's been a little while since we've seen the last time we we saw that. I mean... Elias lost his number one guy and and was walking the boardwalk alone, so I would love very much love to see us get back into that storyline and see what's been up with Elias and Dominic since last we saw them.
1: It's been uh, November or early December since we last uh, crossed the paths. Yeah, yeah. All righty, well, anything else, sir? Well, no, no, not for me
0: for me. It was a good episode, not not great, but I, I certainly enjoyed it for for what it was.
1: It was good with, it was good. All righty. Well, I have some surveillance in the news. Oh, fun, fun, fun. And this is from Barb, another, you know, one of our listeners. She has uh, sent us a Wall Street Journal article. The headline is U.S. spies on millions of drivers. Ah, Okay. So it goes like this. The Justice Department has been building a national database to track in real time the movements of vehicles, Around the U.S., a secret domestic intelligence gathering program that scans and stores hundreds of millions of records about motorists, according to current and former officials and government documents. The primary goal of the license plate tracking program run by the DEA, uh, Drug Enforcement Agency, is to seize cars, cash, and other assets to combat drug trafficking, according to one government document. But, as is, this is my little uh, uh, editorial here, as is the case with many government programs that are narrowly focused the database's use has expanded to hunt for vehicles associated with numerous other potential crimes from kidnappings to killings to rape suspects say people familiar with the matter to parking tickets no maybe not Many state and local law enforcement agencies are accessing the database for a variety of investigations, according to people familiar with the program. Putting a wealth of information in the hands of the local officials who can track vehicles in real time on major roadways, and I keep coming back to that because that's just that's amazing in real time. So as you're passing by the uh, you know the, the the cameras on the on the road, boom, they got you. The database raises new questions about privacy and the scope. of of government surveillance. The existence of the program and its expansion were described in interviews with current and former government officials and in documents obtained by the ACLU and such and such. such. Uh, A spokesman for the Justice Department, which includes the DEA, said the program complies with federal law. Quote, it is not new that the DEA uses license plate program, a reader program, to arrest criminals and stop the flow of drugs in areas of high trafficking intensity, the spokesman said. But of course, the issue is it's not just in high trafficking areas anyway. So, and, uh, so yeah, Senator Patrick Leahy, Senior Democrat in the Senate Judiciary Committee, said, uh, didn't like that. He's, it raises significant pri- privacy concerns. He called for additional accountability. And, but, uh, you and I know unless there's an actual bill for additional accountability, there will be no additional accountability. Thank you. So there's your, you know, good news of the day. Thank you. Mm hmm. Did you hear about
0: the uh, the story that came out this week about Samsung TVs?
1: Yes, yes, yeah. They they have the these voice activated remotes, and you, you, when you talk, you can you can say turn to channel four or find cop shows or da 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 da. Well, sometimes they'll stay on and listen.
0: Uh-huh. Uh
1: huh. Now, the idea, of course, is well, maybe they're just trying to you know underst- do better with voice recognition and things like that, and they're sending this information to a database so that it can you know because really your voice is not being uh, uh translated on the remote itself. The remote doesn't have that kind of capability, doesn't have that kind of computing power, so it sends it off over the Internet to some other place to find out what you said. It's it's just like uh, a lot of uh, voice-activated GPSs, mm-hmm. uh or not voice-activated necessarily, but if they're going to, for example, turn left at and then you get the word Maple Street. Well, it doesn't know how to say Maple Street, so it sends that... Um, that text to a server on the internet and it comes back with the audio that says Maple Street. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there you go. So uh, I understand that, but what could they do with it? It could go, uh, it could be interesting.
0: Yeah. It's similar to what Siri does. You send it something and it, you know, it, uh, it takes your voice and translates it, figures it out and uh, on a big computer in the sky and sends it back and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, it kind of bar- also harkens over to a, instead of a tablet in every home or mm-hmm. a, uh, what was it they were making last week to put in every home those little micro dots? Uh, yes. We've got a Samsung TV in every home.
1: <laughs> oh, look at Well, Well, uh, speaking of that, somebody put in the chat room a, a link to uh, last week I talked about the uh, UK's uh, government communications headquarters, GCHQ, mm-hmm. and they were coming out with a tablet program for kids to learn how to uh, work with cryptography. Well, the UK's top surveillance agency, this is uh, something from the Intercept website, That agency has acted unlawfully by keeping details about the scope of its Internet spying operations secret, a British court ruled in an unprecedented judgment issued last Friday. Uh, it was found to have breached human rights by concealing information how it accesses the surveillance collected by its American counterpart, the National Security <laughs> <laughs> Agency. So there you go. They're all, all working together to find out what you're doing. Uh, uh, the ruling nice. was handed down it was a special court called the Investigatory Powers Tribunal, and it's in its 15-year history, that tribunal has never before upheld a complaint against any intelligence agency, but now it has.
0: Uh, okay, well.
1: Maybe it's a so step that's, in the right direction. That's a step in the right direction. Yes, yeah. there you go. Yeah,
0: we'll see. You know what would be a great step in the right direction for this podcast? What? Listener feedback. I love it. <laughs> Let's get it kicked off this week with a brand new... I was going to say a brand new listener. That's that's probably not true. But a first-time
1: feedbacker, and this comes from Benson. Feedbacker. Feedbacker, is that is that a, a football position? of The it, know, it linebacker, is. the feedbacker, yeah. the tight end. You're definitely in the
0: secondary, um, but a very integral part of the team. Here he is,
2: Benson. Yeah, this is my first time calling in, and I wanted to just give my two cents here. This is Benson, and I enjoyed this episode, but... Um, I still would probably give it about 7 out of 10 votes for Guilty. Um, it was pretty well-written, but seemed at times a little slow. Uh, one thing that I really liked about it, as I'm sure everyone noticed, was the fact that it seemed very much like a Season 1 type of episode. Not just the format of it, but also the fact that perhaps, all the characters, Fusco, Reese, Finch, as well as Zoe and the mention of Elias, all were very older characters who... You know, some of them have been here. Pretty much all of them have been there since season one, I believe. Um, it was really refreshing. I love seeing Zoe again. It was almost enough to make it forgivable for them to not put root in this episode. Uh, hope that's all right with you guys that she wasn't in there. Uh, a few things that I really noticed. One was how when Finch got onto the board for the jury sentence that the man got a phone call. And he said that it wasn't his ringtone. I thought that was a super great nod from the machine. Obviously, the machine is smart enough to know the guy's ringtone. The machine could have done exactly the ringtone that he needed, but the machine made sure to use a different ringtone the guy normally has. That way, bringing forth the fact that was artificial, at this came forth, and then Reese and Finch would know that this is from the machine. They would be able to. It was sort of like a little signature on that from the machine. I really liked that. Sort of like the machine telling them that she's still watching out for them. I thought that was a really cool part. Another thing was how um, I was thinking about loyalty. How a lot of characters have gone away. Rude has just left, and she has gone, as I said. And how loyalty is really the thing that these machines need to survive. Obviously, they have incredible powers that we've seen all throughout the seasons, but their loyalty is, in a way, their weakness. It's the external thing that they need from people. They need people to do their dirty work, so to speak, or good work, or whatever it is that you want to call it. But I feel like that would be a huge thing, is how do the people react with the machine? How We've already seen a few people on both sides sort of drop out from the running on... Being on the machine side, so we've seen Roots and Finch be a little less loyal at times. We've seen people on Samaritan's side. Um, I can't remember their names right now, but I know we've seen a couple. Um, the guy who was doing controls uh, dirty work a couple of weeks ago. Um, and another thing that's sort of following up from that is how this was a very Samaritan-less episode. That you know we've become very used to Samaritan being the forefront of the episode and how that is really the focus of everything that we're going over. And so it's refreshing in a way, but it's also almost a little odd. Like everything that was happening, I want to, I expected to be Samaritan behind it, Um, especially Reese's therapist. For some reason, the whole time, I thought, hmm, is she trying to get information for Samaritan? Is there something going on here? I want to trust her, but in a way, I just can't. Just because of the way the show is set up. So maybe they're just trying to push that ease a little more by showing us, hey guys, you know, not everything is bad and Samaritan going on here. Those are just some thoughts I had. It was a fun episode in general, but there were a few parts that I didn't like. It definitely wasn't a perfect episode, but hey, they're always, they're always doing great. So keep up the great work on the podcast. I always enjoy the episodes and the Facebook page. Thanks.
1: All right, Benson. I noticed that Benson gave it seven votes of guilty, and I gave it seven votes of not guilty. So I don't know if we're opposite or the same. I'm not exactly sure.
0: One of you is a glass half full kind of guy. The other is a glass <laughs> half empty kind of guy. I'll let you guys sort that out. I don't, I don't want to get in the middle of that dispute.
1: And he has the same, you know, concerns about the the shrink here. Is she a yeah. Samaritan? You know, we we haven't. There was no Samaritan in this, but maybe there was. Yeah, and I'm not offended either,
0: Benson, that you said this was a good episode, even though Root wasn't in it. Because, like I said, this is kind of an anomaly where I I'm glad Root wasn't in it, and I don't think you're going to hear me say that very often. But this one was was better that because she wasn't in it. It was more real it, realistic that way.
1: It has the good Daryl seal of approval. That's
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good stuff, Benson. Thank you for uh, calling in, and we look forward to hearing from you again. As he mentioned, he's active. Keep calling. Yeah. He he mentioned he's active on our Facebook group, and he certainly is. We would love to have you over there as well. Facebook.com slash groups slash person of interest. GSM. Thank you. There you go. Person of interest, GSM. So come join us. All right. Here's another audio. This one comes in from... A person who's not a first-time caller. This is Barb.
4: Hi, Daryl and Doug. This is Barb calling in with feedback on this week's POI epi, Guilty. I'll give this epi 8.5 fake passports. We delved into emotion versus action this week, but I found it quite satisfying. Harold and John tried to close ranks as they dealt with the assumed loss of Shaw and the disappearance of Root, but Fusco was having no part of it. He told John that he was part of the team, and that was that regardless of the cost. When the phone rang for Reese in the police station after he tried to wave off Fusco from pursuing numbers of the week and our machine began the Sierra Tango drill, I wondered if the message it was trying to convey was for John to stop pushing Fusco away or if it was for them to stop trying to save those three particular numbers, the missing persons who turned out to be Elias' men. Guess we may be seeing Elias and Dominic next week. John withdrew when Carter died, so it was good to see him feeling his vulnerability and reaching out to Iris. The writers apparently wanted a, to give us the impression that he has a thing for Iris, but it may be that he is simply allowing himself to feel for his friends and look for the deeper relationships of friendship and love, humanizing John Reese. I did wonder if the court case and the 5K cell towers and cell phone technology or something that our machine arranged to give the team another clue about Samaritan. It didn't appear that that was the case, but it could come into play in a later epi. It seemed to be too much of a coincidence for it not to be tied to Samaritan in some way. That's it for this week. This is Barb signing out and hoping I don't get a jury summons in the near future.
1: Well, you could always say that you believe that... Uh the world is controlled by an all-seeing AI, and you could probably get out of it pretty pretty quickly. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. I wonder if they could use those radio towers to help destroy Samaritan, like fry it, or at least fry Greer or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else, you could get your Hot Pocket
1: done a little bit quicker. Yeah, In your pocket? Oh, yeah. man.
0: Hot Pocket!
1: <laughs> You're enjoying that.
0: Pocket. All right, let's uh, move on to the next feedbacker. This is Jess.
3: Hey, Daryl and Doug. This is Jess in Atlanta sending in feedback on this week's Person of Interest. I give this episode nine throwback Thursdays. Hmm. I really enjoyed the season one feel of this episode. It was great to get back to our core characters and have the more traditional POI type of mission. We even got a little on Reese's backstory. As a note on last week, I've never been so excited to be wrong. Shaw is alive. I was wondering if maybe they hadn't captured her, but I half thought it might have been Grice that had saved her from Martine. But I'm sure Greer has some big plans for her. Perhaps he's even going to persuade, quote-unquote, persuade her coercively to become a double agent. Maybe report back on Team Machine? That could be an interesting twist. I also love the underlying storylines with Dominic and Elias. I really think that this season's end is going to see one of them win. Personally, I'm voting for Elias. There's just something about his cold, calculating demeanor that I really love. Not that Minnie is warm and fuzzy, but I do love a good villain, and Elias fits that bill. So on that note, I kind of think everything might all be connected in a way. I mean, it's Elias slash team machine slash the machine, and that's all against Dominic slash Decima slash Samaritan. So they're separate storylines, but they all have the same themes underlying. So until next time, I'll be avoiding jury duty with Nina Sharp.
0: And Barb, apparently (laughs) the three of them hiding out, (laughs) looking for a doorway to another universe that doesn't require jury duty.
1: With little kids that are bald. Yeah, exactly. I loved it. Nine Throwback Thursdays. Well, it's it's done Tuesday, but you know, yeah, I like that was that was very clever. It was
0: clever. <laughs> well, the, our podcast is on Thursday, so maybe that that still works.
1: It's Throwback Thursday. Yeah, I I, I agree with the uh, the idea that the theme here is trust, and it and it's it's across all the the layers here, uh, Team Machine and Decima, the machine itself and Samaritan. And, uh, Dominic and Elias, that, that is, uh, not just trust, but, you know, um, almost, you know, family, at least from the team machine side of things. And I, I don't know so much about the Samaritan side, but yeah, definitely, uh, you know, we've got, we've got these connections, these relationship here and, uh, relying on them as a family, as a, as a trust group here. I, I, I think that's, uh, because, you know, that's the question. Who can you trust? When this machine can see everything and predict things
0: yeah exactly and it will probably come down to the people just as um, uh, Benson was saying earlier we've already seen some people cross you know say I, I'm not I'm not down with that you know or I'm having doubts about that and it is it's going to come down to the people both of these machines depend on people to execute their their will if you will so yeah we'll see how it plays out all right, we got some written stuff.
1: Yeah, I would like to read docs.
0: Well, I won't stop I like you. It. you take Alrighty. it already.
1: Doc H, he comes in with question number one. Mildly optimistic, following writing disaster in previous episode. <laughs> is <it laughs> is Reese really opening up to the NYPD shrink or playing her? Oh. It's a little side thing here. You know, we've been thinking that maybe this shrink is on the Samaritan side. Maybe he's playing her and not she playing him. He goes on. I think he's opening up. In the aftermath of Shaw's violent departure, not knowing her fate, Reese is trying to wrangle his feelings into a smaller corral. We know his history with covert partners, pre and post Finch. Maybe he's taking stock of his life. Remember, he was getting ready to walk away after Carter was schwacked. hope I spelled uh, pronounced that right. It took Fusco and a few dozen knuckle sandwiches to drag John back to the fray. Imagine what Reese would think if he had walked away and was now seeing the havoc that Samaritan was bringing to humanity. He would think that Finch had messed up with the machine and would likely return anyway to put Finch in his place. The moment with Finch and Reese having a meal at the end was cathartic, even nostalgic. Hey, bubs, remember it was just the two of us? Those were the days, my friend. There's a song there, yeah. Question number two, fervently avoiding any critique about excessive theorizing, foreshadowing, or role modeling. A bigger question is not if Reese is interested in the Shrink's professional services, but is she playing him? My instinct is that it's all too convenient for him to suddenly feel so comfortable that he is ready to spill his lucky charms into her waiting arms. <laughs> uh, Doc, you've got a really a uh, gift for the turn of a phrase. I think that she was sent down this path after him, or someone like him, hoping to make contact with a member of Team Machine. Samaritan probably has hundreds of feelers out, hoping to get one of the good guys to take the bait, so the rest of Team Machine can be netted. Once Reese starts jabbering, Samaritan and Greer will get the word, and the walls will collapse around John. It may well take a Root plus Fusco equals shootout to declaw Greer's Fembot and recover Reese. The clue to the shrink? Her claim, five generations of police background won't stand up to Finch's credibility and fact check. Mm. Five generations, and it does go back a long way. Okay. Observation number one, Samaritan playing mind games in Maple, New York, and with the public economic base as a whole. Maybe Reese is the next mind game victim now that the NYPD's finest shrink is in the mix. I can only imagine Shaw will get to play her share of Boggle. And all of this is only because Severden has decided that it wants to learn by toying with the little white mice in its global lab. Mm-hmm. Observation number two, Fusco's speech. Hang a lantern on that nugget of loyal stubbornosity. He His stating that he decides who and what he places his life on the line for. Ouch! Sounds like a speech that someone might make just before they were going to leave the show in a hail of bullets. I hope not. Me too. Um, yeah, really. Observation number three. I like the gal they got to play, Emma Blake, retired teacher and now a jury foreman. She looks familiar. But I remember her with gray hair. <laughs> she was in a wheelchair, too. And that she was committing suicide as well in her last role. Yeah, that. <laughs> There's always that. Yeah. Anyway, she looked great with red hair and should keep it. It might open up more roles for her. <laughs> <laughs> and that's from Doc H.
0: Yeah, she looked she looked great in her in her gray wig that she wore in the last season of Fringe. It was, uh, it was a great look for her. Of course, she's always had red hair and all the... I mean, I think she's a natural redhead, but... Good to see her back on screen. Absolutely. All righty. Thank you, Dotch. Let's move on to Andrew. And (laughs) Andrew says. (laughs) Andrew. I've never heard Andrew before, but I don't know all these foreign language names either.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We get so many Andrews, we get to deal with them.
0: I'm such a dork. All right. Andrew says, I give the episode eight passports. Shortly after Guilty aired, David Slack tweeted that it's the first episode of the series to include not a single gunshot. Interesting. I missed that. It's a nice bit of trivia that I believe also underlines the episode's place within the larger story. Whereas Control-Alt-Delete is a shift of perspective, this one is of scale. Whereas the early scenes of the Cold War are the calm before the storm, this could also be considered the eye. Ooh, I like that too, Andrew. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: It's an appropriate time to zoom in and focus on the core players. With that zoom in, we see how the different scales play off of each other. People who could have been saved or stopped are either dead or imprisoned, respectively. Three missing people turn out to have had ties to Elias, which brings the Brotherhood conflict briefly and literally into picture. Finch telling Reese that it's just the two of them again is bittersweet, And there's even an effect on us. The paranoia that makes Samaritan an easy suspect as the case of the week unfolds, even Root's potential involvement crossed my mind. Ooh, I I didn't think about that, but I'm glad you did. It's refreshing and reassuring that the culprits are people, too, and aren't backed by an AI.
1: As far as we know.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. I like that Zoe's presence is very matter-of-fact, with no superfluous dialogue to bring her up to speed on recent events or to get her take on them. Reese's therapy scenes in Profits felt like a flash-forward from The Devil's Share, and it's great to see that thread continued in such a significant way. I like that Reese has found a benefit from the sessions, and Jim Caviezel's performance is a quietly strong one. Another appropriate move in regard to the aforementioned zoom in is the final shot of the episode with the camera slowly pulling back, back to the big picture next week. Oh. Good stuff, Andrew. But, uh, I really like the eye of the storm thing that you did. And, uh, you know, it's also in, in, with no gunshots, really, in, in contrast to last episode, you know, in, in Maple Town, New York, where Root goes off into the warehouse and just, Blasting guns like crazy, I did. How did we not notice that there were no gunshots in this episode?
1: Yeah, nobody got kneecapped. Yeah, yeah. Wow, no, I, yeah. Thanks for for noticing. Mm-hmm. I, that's, that's one of the things we are not all seeing, and that's for mm-hmm. sure. There was we're a gun,
0: but no bullets, probably. Ah, with the uh, laser sight. <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> well, listen, folks. We have. Uh, it was great to get all those recorded feedbacks. I yeah. love that. Mm-hmm. so you can do that too goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback you can either uh, you can type something in there if you'd like or uh, you can create your own audio with whatever audio stuff you got and upload it there or you can use the little speak pipe widget we call it the little thang the graphic the whatever you click on that it'll turn on your microphone and then send it to the NSA no um, it'll <laughs> <laughs> it might it'll send uh, it to us yes. us Yes, just what you say to us, and then we'll turn the microphone off. Are you saying we work for the NSA? I I, I, I can neither confirm nor deny that.
0: That's the perfect answer.
1: Uh, on Twitter, we're POI Podcast GSM, and there is even a phone number. You know, one of those you know landline things you pick up and it's a little tone. Ooh, you call three zero four eight three seven twenty two seventy eight, and we'll hear you. And like we've mentioned, the Facebook uh, page. If you just look for Person of Interest Podcast. Uh, you'll find us. It's actually facebook.com slash groups slash person of interest GSM or person of interest Hmm.
0: Gussum. All right. Well, do you have any info that you want to share about next week's episode?
1: You know, I, I, I didn't actually look it up. Well, it'll be a surprise to all we of us. We will
0: be surprised. Yes. There will be an episode next week.
1: Yes. We are we are not going out. We're not taking a break just yet. February, every single thing in February, every week is a person of interest episode. So you know, don't don't slack off.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know what else? Next Tuesday is
1: um, three days after Valentine's Day. Indeed, it is. Yes, I have no idea. It's my birthday. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Guess how I'll old forget- I'll be. Uh, 28, 29.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Why not? Sure.
1: <laughs>
0: I'll be 39 this year.
1: 39, 39. Okay. Yes. The 10th anniversary of your 29th birthday. Okay.
0: Yep. Next week is, uh, as, uh, titled Q and a, by the way. And then oh, we'll have
1: some, yeah, definitely yeah. have some Q and a
0: Q and a airs on uh, February 17th, 2015. We'll be podcasting it next Thursday night at eight o'clock eastern you can join us for that live broadcast at Media.com slash live we'd love to have you as part of our live broadcast and chat room so come join us over there again thursday the 19th
1: as an alternate you can go to mediacom slash live that'll work too
0: thank you well with that i think
1: we will
0: close up shop for this week and i'm not to a moment you. too soon apparently not no <laughs> Uh, Thank you for tuning in, and until next time, I am Daryl, and uh, I'm going to go get a new laser sight so I can practice my Morse code skills.
1: And I'm Doug saying if your number comes up, we hope there's a man in a suit watching over you with his mad hacking skills.